Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and today our market's key index, the S&P ASX 200 index, ended only oh, about 4% off its all-time high. Now this followed the US stock markets over the weekend, the Dow, the S&P 500 and the tech-heavy NASDAQ all ending in record territory. Spearheading the market today here was Zipco after talk of a listing on the US stock market and a roadshow to pitch its business to some of the big US funds. On tonight's show, we'll see what our experts think about Zip after a 13% rise today, which has been one of my favourites after I missed out on Afterpay. Junbei Lu of Tribeca Investment Partners and Julia Lee of Berman Invest will also tell us about the stocks they like right now as well. Mike Gable of Fairmont Equities will look at uh, two stocks with the charts are saying to him, these are good buys. And Paul Rico will evaluate a number of quality companies that are now good value after being beaten up by the market recently. That's the show, so let's kick off with Junbei Lu, who manages Tribeca's Alpha Plus Fund. Junbei Lu, welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. It's always great to speak with you. Now, I'm going to ask you about some recent stocks that you've fallen in love with and added to your fund. But I, I have to talk to you about Zip today. It's had a, a very good day on the market. As you know, it's, it's one, of, one of my favourite stocks, uh, uh, particularly because I missed out in Afterpay. Um, <laughs> but uh, t talk to us about, A, is it a stock that you like? I think you've, in the past you said you have liked it. Uh, is it a stock yeah. you like? And, and what was behind the, the, the big rise today? Yeah, look, absolutely. So, um, yes, we like Zip and the same as we like Afterpay and because we think that buy now, pay later space is only at its infancy. And the, so far, the data, monthly data that Zip has displayed and showed to investors has been incredibly strong. The result will be very strong. So, uh, and it's much cheaper than Afterpay as well. Yeah. So, on that basis, it's good. Uh, it's a, it's a good, uh, good value stock. So, um, but the reason it rallied today is because they talked to um, uh, that they're looking at dual listing. Um, in one in US and one in Australia. Look, it's it's an interesting move because um, so far many of the uh, biotech we've seen when they do the dual listing, it actually makes the value goes lower because the stock gets priced over in the US and a lot of uh, Australian biotech actually normally trades at higher premiums. So, um, but however, for Zip is different because uh, in US there's not many company that um, that operate in that buy now pay later space, and the recent firm listing has certainly made Zip look really cheap. So if they do have a dual listing, certainly it means quite positive, uh, it will translate positively to the share price. Yeah. I was asked the question, you know, why there's such a disparity between Afterpay's unbelievably high price and Zip. And, and I said to that person, well, look, will I eventually get either Larry Diamond or Peter Gray on the show, the, the co-founders of Zip? I'm, I'm going to objectively ask them, what percentage of their company is, is theirs compared to Afterpay? And if they say, well, I, I and, and let's hope they tell the truth, and, and a CEO is supposed <laughs> to tell the truth, but if you say, well, I think we're 10% of Afterpay, well, then they should be about a $15 or $16 stock. But have you tried to work out what relative proportion Zip is compared to Afterpay in terms of its revenue, in terms of market share and things like that? 
Oh, look, of course. So Zip, um, well, to, to address that, first we talk to the percentage. So after they bought Corepay, and that Corepay is almost identical to Afterpay, of course, a little bit smaller, but it's it's got great momentum and the stats look really strong in the US. Much smaller, but it's it's got a great momentum. So that is very similar to Afterpay. Now, that business is uh, close to 50% if you look forward 12 months. So, um, you know, you can say 50, 60% of Zip is uh, similar to Afterpay. Now, um, the, but the other part of the business of Zip is uh, more of a, a similar to a bit of a lending business, personal lending um, sort of business, because they because you can use their product up to ten thousand dollars. So, um, so the capital turnover is less efficient. So, um, on that basis, people tend to think it's less, um, you know, less height of a less. Um, um, growth prospect compared to the buy now pay later. But in a couple of years, when the core pay becomes huge, it becomes large enough, um, it certainly means that the zip should trade um, on similar multiple. Yeah, okay, good, good answer. Now, let's talk about the stocks that you've you know, recently thought they look attractive and you've added to your fund. Yeah, absolutely. So there's quite a lot. Look, this is reporting season, so we're paying a bit more attention to what result is to come out of, uh, um, you know, this reporting season. Uh, some of the names we added more so are, um, we're still in the retailer space, but uh, more so is the housing retailer. So because our view is that the housing retailer will continue to do quite well and the tailwind will be there for a couple of years just Look at the um, the listings and uh, you know housing turnover and the housing uh, housing prices. If you like, uh, you know, we just heard from real estate our, uh, REA. Um, you know, things are looking very very strong in the mm -hmm. next 12 to 18 months. So you know, housing retailer, you want to buy more Harvey Norman. Uh, we did buy quite a bit of uh, um, Nick's Galia. I think that business um, has quite a lot of tailwind for quite some time, um, and that business still looking very good. Just reported, um, but still, I think you know, upside is uh, is still quite strong. Um, also, there's a couple of other stocks as well um you know we um the um you know uh we also looking at some of the uh, uh the builders that are heading into this reporting season as well um look you know normally they're a little bit lower quality businesses but the uh, macro environment is so good for uh, for renovation for building activities um in australia and in new zealand so some of those businesses have struggled for years and finally things are stars are aligning things mm. like fetcher building um you know it is looking pretty strong. Uh, James Hardy, I think the result will look pretty strong tomorrow. Um, and uh, I think that's uh, that's going to do very well on the basis of it. So the building material space is very strong. Um, it, do you want me to keep going? <laughs> I can yeah. keep going. Yeah, you, you, can keep, you can keep going until I fall asleep, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep talking. Uh, look, I think it just in terms of the result, just things that would deliver strong result. I still think Domain would deliver very good result just after what we heard from REA. We think Southern Cross, um, the media, Channel 9, uh, Southern Cross, the media space, actually you should see very strong numbers. Even Channel 7 uh, mm. will see very strong numbers because but, some of the SMI data has been strong. Yeah, but, but Jimbo Lu, once upon a time we were saying old media really was in trouble. But of all those companies, you mentioned Southern Cross first, and Southern Cross is in radio and television. Um, Nine, of course, has newspapers as well as radio stations and, of course, the Nine Network, um, and even Seven. Why have things improved for that, the old media? 
That's a really good question. Look, um, what's really changed at the moment? The structural issue, so the long-term pressure on newspaper and TV hasn't changed. But what's really changed was last year, the COVID-related shutdown and you know um, economic um, slowdown has really impacted those media, traditional media businesses enormously. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them has went out and uh, raised money and make sure they have good balance sheet, but there was no revenue. But now, uh, 12 months on, retailers are doing well, corporates are doing well, consumers are spending. So we are seeing the advertising market actually is turning mm. for the first time in a big way. We haven't seen growth in the advertising market, especially TV, for so many years. And now we've seen double digit growth. So uh, these big media businesses are very leveraged to that rev top line uh, revenue line moving. So earnings growth is going to be enormous for that sector. So for now, they're very cheap and they will deliver pretty good growth numbers. Yeah, and I guess looking at Nine, for example, the addition of Stan is a plus, and you can actually watch the 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 programs you've missed on their streaming services as well. They have actually diversified, haven't they? The the old media businesses. Absolutely. Amongst the old media businesses, um, I would say Nine is best of the bunch because it does have good exposure, 60% of the value or 50, 60% of value come from domain, exposure to domain. And then quite a big of value come from Stan, which is a new media like the Netflix, mm. but the Australian version, they've done incredibly well. And then the TV version, which is, you know, it's still on the way up as oh. well. So uh, to, you know, to, to buy a media company that has diverse exposure, I think that one looks good. We also just heard from News Corp as well. The newspaper is not doing too badly either. Mm. So, um, you know, that whole traditional media space is looking pretty exciting this 12 months. Jim Baylou, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you very much. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Well, joining me now, as she does weekly, is Julia Lee from Bourbon Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. Okay, now, Julia, I have asked you to, to tell me the stocks that you've uh, recently thought were good enough to add to your portfolio or ones that you really like now. But I just want to cover off on Zip. Zip's had a really good day today. Uh, I know um, you're an afterpay fan, but at other times you've seen value in Zip. What's going on there? See, whenever you look at companies, it's the new information which adds value to the share price. And with Zip, they've said that they're focusing in on the US, which is a huge market and where the momentum really has been. If we have a look at Afterpay's numbers, or even if we have a look at PayPal, which recently looked at the buy now, pay later space, the momentum in the US is quite strong. So the fact that Zip's looking to enter into the US and focus in on the US has been very positive for the share price. Um, in terms of both attracting new investors as well as new uh, users of its product. Yeah. So the news that came out today, did it have any influence on your view on Zip? 
I guess if we have a look at the buy now, pay later space, I think competition is ramping up over in the US. My view is longer term, it's still uh, best to go with the leader. And for me, in my mind, that's still afterpay. Um, but in the short term, it's doing a bit of catch up because of that extra new information. Yeah, okay, great. Let's go to the next, one, next story. Um, and that is the stuff that you like right now. Some companies that have come on your radar screen in recent times. Mm -hmm. Well, Pete, this is a high-risk time to be uh, putting out new stock picks, and that's because we are in half-year reporting season yeah. where uh, stocks can jump by 20 or 30% and fall by as much uh, within the space of a month. So um, having a look at this half-year reporting uh, season, one of the stocks I really like is Domino's uh, Pizzas. And this is not just pizzas in Australia and New Zealand, but also in Japan, Germany, as well as France. Mm. Now, lockdown has helped this company, but really, we're seeing quite some strong momentum happening. And when you look at a retail stock, the combination that you want is you want to see an increase in sales together with a rollout of stores. And that's really what we're seeing for Domino's. We're seeing a record number of new stores being opened in Japan. And over in Germany, the buckets the basket size is increasing, so people are spending more money on pizzas. Domino's really doing well because of the scale of its delivery network. And of course, here in Australia, things looking pretty good as well. So that magic combination of an increase in sales and a rollout of new stores, that strong momentum, I think is going to continue for Domino's even after COVID's passed. Yeah, its share price has had a nice run, but you think there's more upside. And I've got to say, Don May is a very good manager of that business. Absolutely. And look, there has been a new CEO of Europe, and I think he's making a bit of a difference uh, over in Germany and France as well, which is great to see. But, you know, Japan has been a strong point. Germany's been a strong point. The momentum here in Australia is good as well. And look, this reporting season, there's a few retailers that I'm keeping an eye on. We know that the housing market's been doing really great, and that's going to be positive for the building material companies like Boral, but also the likes of Nick Scully has reported well, Harvey Norman should do well, JB Hi-Fi should do well out of that. And I really like Denworth Mortgages. We're seeing more and more first-time homeowners jumping into the market. So mortgage insurance, I think, is going to make a comeback over the next two to three yeah, years. Yeah, that's a, that's a big call, Genworth. Um, yeah, I think your analysis is right. There will be more loans, and Genworth's right in the position to uh, benefit from that. Now, one thing that June Bay Lou um, quite surprised me uh, this afternoon when I was talking to her was she said that some of the old media companies are looking a little bit more attractive. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I think uh, News Corp was a, a very strong one. We saw the results coming out of that and we have seen uh, earnings upgrades coming through. And I guess when you have a look at economic recovery, which we're looking at in 2021, there's a number of sectors and industries which are uh, uh, derive their growth from that. One obvious area is the banks, which is a reflection of economic growth, especially housing growth. But also if you have a look at media and marketing companies, they benefit from growth in the economy because there's more spend in terms of marketing. So I think those old, old time uh, media companies, they will potentially do well. The big, uh, I guess the big wild card for me is whether um, the Australian government can get the likes of the big giants mm. to, to pay for some of that media content. And if that's the case, probably a, a winning formula for something like Nine, uh, nine. but um, you know, the media companies, the marketing companies, they should do well from economic growth as well as the banking space. Yeah, I, I must say, look at Nine. Nine looks like the company is diversifying the best in my eyes. I think Stan is a good addition to their, their team. And the fact that Stan's even 
doing rugby this year. That's a diversification thing, which a lot of, of free-to-air ch channels haven't chased it. But I think there's a boutique audience there and a lot of the advertising dollars will follow rugby as well. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that Nine does really well is focusing on sports. And of course, when you're looking at sports, um, you know, there's not a lot of places to go. So it, it has that edge there. And as you mentioned, Stan as well, we've been at home watching more television. So the subscribers in Stan, that's an attractive uh, looking unit as well. So look, Nine Entertainment, the shares have been rising over the next few months. But as economic recovery takes place and there's more advertising marketing spend, it should be a beneficiary. Uh, Julia Lee, thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. Well, joining me on the program is Mike Gable, the founder of Fairmont Equities. And invariably, when I get Mike on the program, I want him to either tell me whether I'm right or wrong about a stock that I might like or ones that are pretty popular in the market right now. But this week, I asked him to bring two stocks that he likes and uh, let's see the charts that might support that liking. How are you, mate? Good, Peter. How are you? Very good indeed. So the two stocks you've got are Aristocrat Leisure, Leisure and Incitec Pivot. Let's kick off with the first one, Aristocrat, A-double-L. So Aristocrat's a company that we've liked for a long time. You have. Analyst, loves the business mm. um, and it's done really well for us over time. Um, what I, why I thought I'd highlight it again here, Peter, is um, uh, after a period of consolidation at the end of last year, it's, it's really on the move again. And I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, um, stocks with US dollar earnings are starting to get a, a, a kick along again because the US dollar has stopped falling and, mm. and looks like it wants to head higher. But uh, aristocrat strengths are, are beyond um, just the currency, of course. So yeah. The current um, is a headwind, but yeah. you believe in the, in the company's potential, don't you? Yeah, exactly. They've, got a, um, they've grown quite nicely in the, in the US. Um, sure, there's, there's issues around COVID and, um, and the rolling out of, of the machines, but they have increased their market share um, in gaming machines in the US. Obviously, in the US, things are a little bit more open mm. uh, in terms of the casinos than they are here domestically. Mm. But Aristocrats also expanding uh, into the digital space and they're, and they're doing quite well um, there. So um, it's a business we like. In terms of the chart, uh, what I'm trying to highlight here on the screen is we could see towards the end of 2020, um, the shares did pull back and underperform the market for mm -hmm. a, a period of time. Um, but they found some good support just above $28, which was near the November low. Um, and then most recently, what I've indicated with that little blue line is there was some resistance at $32, but it popped above that uh, about a week ago. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, it looks like it's, it's back on the move. Um, it might slow down in the next day or two because it's getting close to that November peak, which mm. is near $35 yeah. um, naturally. But I think any stalling here in the, the share price of aristocrats an opportunity to buy. Um, the way I read the chart is the next step for this is to retest that February peak uh, near $38. And ultimately, it should go beyond that. I mean, this is a company that has earnings growth, uh, you know, double digit percentages every year. So you'd yeah. expect the share price to follow suit. And, and you have to say that as a business and what normalcy might have looked like when it was $38, it's 
it's still way off. Mm. In Australia, people aren't going to Crown Casinos and all the other ones, even, yep. even clubs and all that sort of stuff, to the same extent as they used to because of social distancing. Mm. America would have the same sort of problems, some states different than other states, yep. but the bottom line is we're a long way from normalcy. So when normalcy hits, that $38, you know, it looks like it could easily be tested. But mm. some people who watch this might say, well, why do charts actually give him that confidence to say that? What, what makes you think that the numbers as portrayed graphically there mm. are, are any guide to anything? Because I'm, I'm asking yep. you to explain to people who don't understand the value of charts sure. why you think charts are valuable. So I want to buy you know, any asset that I want to invest in. I want to invest in something that's going to go up. And Gee, that's unusual. It, it's, yeah, but see, if you're the a short seller, you, you wouldn't. But, make it. but, it, but it's funny. A lot, of, a lot of people buy um, declining assets. Mm. Uh, you know, they they see a chart that's falling, they think, oh, this is great. I'll I'll buy into Give this. But they don't know how much further it can decline because, mm. you know, I'm in the market as well as you know thousands, millions of other participants. So, what those other participants are doing is very important. So I'm not arrogant enough to say. You know, I believe that I'm correct and however many million other people are wrong. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. They're the ones who are pushing mm. the share prices in one direction or the other. And if I can tell on the chart that, that all the other participants are stepping in at certain levels to buy, um, if they're able to, rise it to a, raise it to a certain price, if I could see they're selling at certain prices, it just, it just makes me, I guess, a little bit more confident that mm. if they're buying it at the right price, then, then I can sort of join in and and at least I'm catching something that's, that's on the way up. So it's a graphical portrayal of the, the votes for a company. Yep. And, and if, if you're feeling that there's more votes for it than against it, mm. you think, okay, that's a good reason to think about this company. You look at yep. other factors and that gives you even more support. It's exactly yep. what I do as well. Great stuff. Let's go to the next one. Intertech Pivot. Now, this is not mm. a company I like because sometimes it can come up really strange yeah market announcements and it can go but mm. the charts looking pretty good yeah look I, I think I think this one has um, you know some some upside ahead of it um, yes it's not you know your typical blue chip uh, I thought this would be something a little bit different to mm. um, to the other companies in the space yeah. I mean you know in the mining space at the moment BHP Fortescue Rio to me they look a little bit soft in the way they're, mm. they're trading and maybe that is a, a currency thing at the moment, the market's a little bit concerned. I think they'll do well longer term, but mm. if you're looking for, um, I guess, a, a resource uh, related stock outside of the, the, the top three, I think um, Instech Pivot's worth looking at. So a lot of their business is in explosives. Mm. Um, so obviously explosives are, explosives are used by uh, the big, you know, the big miners here mm. and, and overseas. Um, but they're also, um, as a chemicals company, uh, they're also involved in, in fertilisers. And fertilizer, fertilizer prices at the moment uh, have looked like they found some support and are heading higher. And of course, um, you know, res as I've mentioned before, I think resource stocks will do well this year. I think we're, we're still in the, the phase of, a, um, I guess, a commodities boom. Yeah. And Obviously, the demand for, for Instec Pivot's products will continue to increrease. And, and they diversify too by being both a fertilizer mm. and explosive, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's, you know, there's, there's good upside for the business. And in terms of the way it's trading, what we could see here is a share price which, yeah, after not really performing too well in the middle of last year, has really started to step up. And mm. I've indicated that with a, 
at the horizontal blue lines, we could see that the share price rallies a bit. It gets to a point where there's a lot of sellers uh, and then it eventually overcomes those sellers. They've, they've taken their profits or mm. losses or whatever they've mm. done and they're out of the way and then it's able to move higher again. So we're seeing this very nice gradual step up. I don't like buying stocks that, um, you know, making huge moves in such a short period of time because it's unsustainable. <coughs> this is, to me, looks sustainable. Um, at the moment, what it's done is it's hit about 280 couple of weeks ago it pulled back so there are some sellers at 280 it's gone back to that 280 level quite quickly and I can see in the last few days that although there are sellers at 280 they're not scrambling over each other to get out of this thing and mm. and you know if that was to occur it would push the share price a lot lower but the fact that sure we have sellers at 280 but it's still hovering in there that's mm. telling me there's still a lot of buying coming in so yeah, it's what, so yeah so what I would do is if I was looking to purchase this one brand new, I'd wait for all those sellers to get out of the way just to make sure that, that we do have a clear road ahead of us. Um, so if you see Instech pivot in the next few days or so, trade above 280 and close above that, in my opinion, that would be the buying opportunity because those sellers are out of the way uh, and then this should have a run up. And the next line of sellers probably isn't due until, um, as we could see at the left side of the chart there, um, sort of around 320 to 340 is a previous level where, mm. you know, some unfortunate souls bought it a bit too high and they're waiting to, to get out at break even because, mm. you know, the other part of uh, investor psychology is, you know, when people are sitting on a loss, they tend to hold on to things until they're break even. Mm. And unfortunately, they get out at break even. The thing just keeps going because yeah. it's going back up for a reason. And, and it's real fall from grace was linked to the coronavirus crash, isn't mm. it? It was a a $3.40 stock before the coronavirus came to town. All right, mate, and just generally, I, I know you, you look at the market generally, and I, mm. I saw some short-term and some medium to long-term analysis, and that, that analyst was saying the market's looking pretty bullish. Are you seeing mm. the same thing in your charts? Yeah, look, the, the market's been a bit, bit interesting the last couple of weeks because volatility has, has increased again. So um, to me, that's a little bit of a warning sign um, a couple of weeks ago, we did take a little bit of money off the table for clients, and now I just want to see um, where it's going to head to from here. So I know the market's had a good few days. Uh, it looks like it does want to head higher, but I just get worried when you have these big, uh, big moves from from day to day. So mm -hmm. usually, the the best results in the market is when volatility is really low, and you just get this incremental rise each day. But Look, volatility has me a little bit concerned short term. Whatever it wants to do from here in the short term, come back or continue to edge higher, we'll see. But beyond that, for the rest of the year, I think by the end of 2021, we're going to see much higher levels on the share market. Yeah, the, the chart I liked on the weekend, and I don't know whether you've seen it, that uh, both hospitalizations and infection rates in the US mm. are starting to fall pretty well. The death yeah. rate's slowing, uh, falling at a slower rate, mm. But it was quite a significant turnaround. If that yeah. trend can be continued, I think it will show up in the stock market. Yeah. We're heading in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. That's Mike Gable, Family Equities. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy. Over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception.
investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Well, in today's Twitter report, I actually looked at five quality companies that have been beaten up by the market. And I posed the question, are they good long-term buyers? And I thought I might just chat with Paul Rickard about it. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Let's go through the companies in, in, in order. The first one was CSL. I know you like it, I like it. But the question is, is it buy it now before the report or do we buy it after the report? Yeah, I'd probably be inclined to buy it before the report for two reasons, Peter. One is that CSL has a habit of surprising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has already posted guidance. Now, uh, guidance of uh, sales growth, I think, is between 3 and 8%, in, sorry, 6, 6 to 10% in constant currency terms, and net profit growth of between 3 and 8% in constant currency terms. So CSL never messes guidance, So um, and has a habit of surprising on the higher range of guidance. Mm. So the market is pretty bearish on CSL because they've been, when I say bearish, I mean, it's in a, in a relative- They're in love with CSL as yeah, they usually it's, are. It's in a relative state because they've been worry, very worried about um, the collection of plasma in the US, mainly because of COVID-19. They yep. really rely on, um, in many cases, a lot of lower paid people yeah. going in and getting paid to donate blood plasma. Mm. Uh, and, and some of those cities, some of those places, they've been harder hit by COVID than others. Yeah. And so a lot of research reports saying that, you know, collections have been slow. That means they can't manufacture what they need to manufacture yeah. to to uh, get generate the revenue. Yeah. Now, I, I, that could be the case. Better, it's, but it's like a now problem, but that's part of the reason in the future that problem might be there. Begun. Yeah, so I'm not as worried about that as others. And I think that's just we're just seeing, you know, a few currency headwinds and the market sort of either with CSL or, mm. or sort of in the... I just think it's the opportunity to buy beforehand. So that's the one I would buy before the result, I think. Okay. Let's go to another one. IAG, uh, a good insurer, um, and you and I have talked yep. before, Warren Buffett's invested yep. in IAG. Uh, share price is, is down a lot compared to before the coronavirus. What's your view on IAG? Well, I think unfairly beaten up. I mean, the biggest problem um, IAG's had, and as have uh, has QB to an extent, and other insurers, of course, is this business interruption risk. Right following COVID-19 oh, and, yeah, right. and the issue around, uh, you know, the policy warning was a pandemic part of the exclusions or not. And there's been a couple of cases and they lost one and they've now fully provided for it. Um, so that's going to, at some stage, you've got to guess, mean a, a pretty big payout. But I, they've got over that, they raised capital. Uh, I think the market's still a bit unkind to them because they are raising premiums. Mm. And uh, as you say in your article, insurance is a bit of a grudge purpose purchase mm. and sometimes that slips off during a when times are tough, but it'll come back. So I think um, uh, IAG's, if I had a look at any of those stocks, Peter, that's probably has the biggest upside for me. Maybe not the next six months, but I think over the next couple of years. So, okay. I, and I do always have a bit of uh, fear about insurance because uh, mm. we know that you can get these one-off uh, events. Yeah, you, you yeah. can. And the thing uh, is, I like them when the share price is low. When they're high, a one-off event can knock them around. Let's go to the next one, Qantas. Qantas is, uh, hasn't been beaten up. My, my chart actually showed they're actually doing pretty well. Yep. But they're a long way off their best. So what do you think, Paul? Yeah, again, for, you've got to be patient on Qantas. I mean, Qantas will do really well when we all get back to normal. Yep. And uh, there's no doubt that um, it's used the whole crisis to reduce costs. It's, reduced, it's used the whole crisis to increase revenue because of what flights they are, are getting out of the way at the moment. They're all selling seats at a premium rate. Yep. Uh, you, as you say in your article, Peter, Virgin is going to be sort of a, the second class airline. Yeah. 
Uh, it'll eventually go fully down market, I guess, and be yeah. more a competitive to Jetstar. It'll go back to the old days. Yeah. Um, and Qantas will be left with the business and, and the, uh, you know, and the luxury travel market and some, and, and through Jetstar, it's low cost brand, that, yeah. that part of the marketplace and be in a really strong position. Yeah, it's, it's sort of moving to a pretty good runway in the future. This now, so again, I guess what the next, well, I wouldn't be rushing to buy Qantas tomorrow because, no. you know, it, it's probably got a fair bit of the recovery priced into it. But the next time the market gets a bit bearish, we have another outbreak, borders closed down. <laughs> that's the time probably to buy Qantas, right? Yeah. Okay, let's go to the one that worried me, but you know, I, I, it's, a fair, it's a fair story to run with, Telstra. Yeah, a lot of us have got burnt uh, expecting better things of Telstra uh, mm. over the years, and I think we've, we've basically learnt that above, below $3 it's a buy, and yep. <laughs> it gets much above that it's a sell, right? Yeah. Now it's sort of $3.17. Uh, on the way back up, the chart yeah. shows it's getting higher. Um, been very quiet at Telstra. Been, been on radio silence now since their AGM in October, mm. which I think is good news. Um, clearly, if there's something wrong, the CEO has yeah. to fess up, doesn't he? Yeah, which also means they're working hard. I think. Yeah. Um, also, you know, there's the other upside for, for Telstra is there is going to be a breakup in terms of uh, a restructure with an infrastructure part potentially being spun off, and mm. they announced that back mm. in October. So we might get some news about that. I think the only issue with Telstra, the negative side, is about the progress they're making to their FY23 earnings target. This is when they actually earnings start to grow again yeah. uh, in a post-NBN environment. Remember, Telstra's been negative earnings now for I don't know how many years, <laughs> declining earnings, declining revenue. This is the time earnings are due to start growing again. Uh, and that's been obviously reflected in the ability to hold the dividend. But I, I'm expecting we'll get po more positive news about dividend, uh, not going up, but at least confidence about the 16 yeah. cents uh, through an interim of 8 cents. And probably, I think that this is a stock, if I had to say this stock of upside, that is a surprise, uh, and it'll come this Thursday, I'd say Telstra could be one, right? Yeah. Uh, and like Macquarie, Not sure I want to go and buy yeah, now yeah. on that chance for Telstra, Peter. Macquarie is the only one with supersonic positivity. They've got a $4... Uh, That's a brave call. $3.50 I can feel comfortable with. $4 is a brave call. But still, it's out there, and I thought I should share it with you. The final one is one I really like. The yeah. analysts aren't as supportive as I am, but I am taking a long-term view. These analysts we're talking about... It's, you wouldn't expect much more than a six-month view, is it, Paul? No, generally it's a 12-month target, cool. but and that's how they say it is. Yeah. But you get very influenced by what's going on now. Yeah. I mean, uh, there aren't too many analysts that are, that are prepared to have a... You know, what you'll notice is the share price creeps higher, mm. so do the broker valuations. Share price goes down, so do the broker valuations. Okay. So it is a little bit of follow the market. Okay. And, and we're uh, talking about zero here, I should say. Yeah. That's the company I, I like it for the long term. Not sure about the short term, but Paul, what, what do you think? Look, one of my favourite stocks, I couldn't work out why it suddenly went through $157 know, at serious. the end of December. It went crazy. Was it tech-related um, tech stuff, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Zero's probably back, you know, as a stock I want to own, I, th I think it's a great company. That's the chart. Mm. I think you can be a little bit patient on Zero. Um, it has got a couple of headwinds, Peter. It is increasing revenue. I think you wrote about that today. Yeah. But it does have to continue to build its base offshore because the Australian market is reasonably saturated. Yeah. It, it can't keep winning share in Australia. Uh, it's done a lot of work on its ecosystem mm. in terms of uh, you know getting people just don't use it for accounting. They use it for invoicing. They use it for other data yeah. uh, that, and other ways to sort of generate more revenue per per customer. They call it the ARPU number, average revenue per user. Watch that; it's a key number coming out in their report. But their growth in Australia is slowing, and, and Australasia is slowing as yeah. you expect. So zero is now about the US 
and the UK, and that's harder markets, not mm. because they're not great products, it's just harder for an Australian company to crack it. Yeah. Uh, and so, look, maybe it got a little bit ahead of itself, I think at $157 it did. Mm. This is in my radar to buy, at $130, yeah, it's sort of, I think well, maybe it's got to come one, back a bit more. What, 110, you yeah. jump in at 110, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I want to see it back, back close to $100, but I, I'm a holder, and mm. therefore I can afford to be patient on it. Um, it is a great company, it goes into all our portfolios. Um, and I think if any of the IT companies, Afterpay included, it's the one I feel most comfortable about holding. Yeah, okay. So that's uh, my assessment. If you want to read more, have a look at the Switzer report. You can have a 21-day trial. We do lots of um, uh, companies for each report, and over the week, a lot of companies as well. And we've got some really great riders. Paul, of course, is, is one of those great riders. Tony Featherston, who was the former business editor of BRW magazine. I reckon, Peter, one of, one of the best in the business, if yeah. not... I won't put our other contributors down, but probably no, I reckon but I rate him number one in Australia. Yeah, really his good. skill set is terrific when it comes to assisting companies. And James Dunn was probably one of the most yep. recognised finance company reporters in the country as well. He's also contributing with people like Rudy Philippic, Van Dyke and Julia Lee. So if you're looking for some sort of guidance in buying stock, have a look at that. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter.